Hi, this is Mark. Hello, this is Matt. And welcome to our podcast, Lessons from the Field, where we talk with staff members from the Austin Independent School District about teaching and learning in our community. Our discussions focus on distance learning and how it impacts teachers and students. Well, hey, everyone. This is Mark. How are you doing today, Matt? You know, Mark, I'm doing pretty well today. How about yourself? For a Thursday afternoon, it, I'm ready for the weekend. I'm ready for the oh, weekend. But I tell absolutely. you what, Matt, I'm real, real excited about the person we're going to get to talk with this afternoon. Yeah, me too. I, I've known this person for a very long time. Um, she's done some amazing things in the classroom, and uh, she's really accelerated her, her career very quickly. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say today. Excellent. Well, guest, would you go ahead and tell us your name and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Layla Olano. I'm an assistant principal at Jocelyn Elementary. Go Jacks. And I um, started off in the classroom and quickly realized that there are a few tweaks on a systems level that I wanted to be a part of in terms of the solution. And um, after a transformative experience with a few professors from the University of Texas at Austin, I decided to apply to the principalship program. And I'm so thankful for that experience. And I've been able to take that learning along with the support of my cohort and try to do some of those good things um, on our campus. That's kind of a snippet. Awesome, Layla. So how long have you been at Joslyn? This is, we're going on um, year two. Okay. And was last year your first year as an assistant principal? No, um, I started off with my intern year in a different district. It was a rural district and uh, gained a lot of experience and the opportunity to work in AISD opened up and uh, my values along with the values of the district and the equity work and it all just lined up beautifully. Um, I have an amazing principal who is all about equity. So I had to jump on that opportunity. So it's like, what is it? The stars align. That's great. So when you were a teacher, what grades did you end up teaching when you were in the classroom? So my experience in the classroom was at the secondary level. Okay. And I started off in middle school. And yeah, yeah, it was, I loved it. (laughs) I absolutely loved it. You know, sixth, seventh and eighth grade I had all of all of the kiddos I was a foreign language teacher and uh, I noticed a lot of gaps in my kiddos um, a lot of literacy gaps and so it was very hard to teach a foreign language when my kids couldn't read you know and so I also taught at the high school level and noticed the same gaps and the same issues with my students, but even bigger, larger gaps with our students of color. And so a lot of that drove me to pursue the AP opportunity at the elementary level, just so I could be a part of the foundational building, those foundational skills with the kids and a lot of self-esteem and character building as well. It's amazing how we often think kids are little and they don't realize things or they're just a kid, but they're not. 
that, you know, they pick up everything and it becomes a part of them. And so I really wanted to be a part of that process and in, in building people, especially early. You know, thank you for sharing that, Layla. And, you know, it's not very often that an educator gets the opportunity to spend time at all three levels, right? Elementary, you know, middle school and high school. And so I think that's an incredibly, you know, a wonderful opportunity for you to be able to do that and see those different things that are happening, right? Not only in the classroom, you know, you, and that's how I met you when you were a middle school Spanish teacher. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so I knew very early on, I'm like, you know, you were doing great things. And I'm like, man, she's going to be someone special one day. And so, you know, here you are. And so I really appreciate you sharing that story. So to begin our podcast kicking off today, learning a little bit more about you, can you kind of just talk to us a little bit about how your first year in AISD went? Um, You can talk about, you know, painting this story, if you will, about like, how did the beginning of the school year kind of go for you? And then what did the ending look like for you as well? Like I said, so the the UT program did a lot for my foundation. I had this heart for social justice and my life experiences all, you know, impacted my life, but I was able to back up my beliefs and build how I analyze data through research-based strategies and with the guidance of my professors. And we had a very united cohort and a few of my classmates are also APs in AISD. So that was very attractive to me. And so when I joined AISD, I noticed that there were overwhelming amount of like-minded people with a heart for social justice and a passion for eradicating inequities and uh, systems thinkers, you know, people who weren't just going to focus on the surface level things or how to say the right thing in a political setting, but do the right thing. And so with the guidance of district leaders, other campus principals, other assistant principals. It's like there was a a team, a united team of people who were, who had each other's back. And so from the day I started until now, I've had an amazing experience of support. I've had people I can bounce ideas off of, or, you know, if I'm going to go into this setting, hey, can you walk me through how you would handle something like this? And the responses were quick. The willingness to come to our campus just to give me the time was, I mean, you know, impressive. And so with the work on our campus with our principal, you know, he's got a heart for equity and he is a systems thinker. And so we automatically bond and we've worked very close together and we're a very good team. And so he's taught me a lot about really being positive and what that looks like and what that means. And even in the most difficult situations, how that positivity and trust and team building, how that will lead you in the direction that you want to go to. And so I've learned a lot this year about, yes, you have to have the data piece. You have to have those critical thinking and those analytical skills, but you also have to have that relationship building piece 
they have to go hand in hand and you can't be too far on one side. You know, you can't be all about the hugs and then you don't really have any systems that are aligned and equitable for all of your kids. But you can't also bury yourself in all of the strategy. You know, there, there's got to be a balance. And so we've been building our Mandarin program. We've been trying to analyze our school as a team, building that positive culture. And then this happens, you know, what was really awesome to see was a group of people come together in a way that I haven't seen at any campus that I've been at and really want to be there and not just say, hey, well, I'm here if you need me, but really call and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. These are some things I want to do to help you. If you don't need my help, fine, but I'm here for you if you want to talk. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a consistent thing within our staff, which I think is important because that trickles out to your families and to your community. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. And, you know, I, I like the, those ideas that you brought, you know, to light about, you know, the equity and the social justice piece and, you know, those types of things too that attracted you to the district. And, you know, those are amazing things that we're, you know, trying to do every day on a daily basis. So, how were you able to kind of take, you know, w- what you learned in uh, about the district in such a short amount of time, but be able to transition that into you were alluding to what happened to us in March, so to speak, right? And so if you can kind of just talk to us a little bit about what that transition looked like for you in your campus. I don't think anything can prepare you for a pandemic or how to operate within a pandemic. There were so many unknowns, but when you have a really strong foundation in who you are as a person and what you believe in. And when you don't compromise who you are, I think there's power in that. When you have a boss who doesn't compromise who he is for the sake of politics, when you have district leaders who are pushing for what's right for all kids, I think that's very powerful. But what's even more powerful is when all of those forces come together and they're pushing and they're pushing and they're pushing and they're, it's not just um, exercising your First Amendment right, but it's the love for the students. It's the concern for their well-being. It's the concern for their education. It's the concern for their future. It really boils down to the love for all of your kids. And I noticed that people will go far for the love of children. And my experience has been very, very positive, but being able to work on a team that is cognizant of their strengths and their shortcomings. And again, um, kudos to the UT program because they really build our foundation as leaders to build our staff in that fashion. But when you put people in their strengths, you're able to get things done efficiently. And so if we have people who are, I mean, they've got magnetic personalities. They're great with families. Guess who we're going to put on the calls and guess who we're going to put on making sure, you know, we're getting in touch with all families, the relationship builders, you know, the spreadsheets and the plan A, plan B, plan C, all of the scenarios. We're going to put the people that find the flaws and and, and they're very analytical and they, you know, um, and I mean that in a very positive way because you need that critical eye. So you're going to have the those people on a specific strategy team. 
And then we've got to get really creative with these lessons and we've got to be very engaging. So guess what? Our creative teachers, the teachers with the amazing, awesome, hilarious lessons, those amazing bulletin boards that are obviously aligned to TEKS and and standards, we're going to put them on the creative team and we're going to showcase their talents and we're going to put them in the spotlight and we're going to use their strengths and we're going to have opportunities for them to showcase what they're doing on Zoom to help other teachers. And so it kind of takes away from the whole, I'm scared about my lack of proficiency with technology because we worked very strategically to make sure that the people who were really, really good at these were able to help the people who needed it. But everyone was put in an area of strength, if that makes sense. So we were all working together, which was very beautiful, you know? Well, Layla, your your love and passion for what you do is incredible. I mean, we're recording this in the middle of your summer vacation, and you're just talking with such love for what you do and for whom the, the people with whom you work. That's a blessing. A lot of people can't say that. So, Layla, at this point, we kind of have an idea of what at least the first three weeks of school are going to look like. And I'm sure in, in some way, shape, or form, at least individually or, or with your team, you've sort of thought about what are we going to do to help prepare our teachers, to help prepare our students, to help prepare families, community. Can you kind of share either, you know, your thoughts or what you've talked about with your team, with your colleagues? Sure. Right now, there is a concern for providing rigorous, high quality education, especially in a virtual setting. So we're really talking about what that looks like, especially for different grade levels and thinking about the amount of time a child can be in front of a screen, engaging activities, but also we're we're talking to our families and we're listening to what they're saying. And one of the things is, hey, I have four kids and they're all different grade levels. And there is one of me if I'm not working at the time. And so scheduling the times that we are thinking about when teachers are going to deliver instruction, how can we organize our assignments in a way that's efficient and it's not just a lengthy, busy work type of assignment. Um, How can we have engaging projects where we're getting the kids to move? And, you know, it's hard because you almost have to, well, you don't almost, you have to walk in each child's shoe and really put yourself in their life and think, okay, will this lesson, will this work for their life? And I mean, it points to the disparities that are currently in our world and what educational experience may be like for one student in one setting versus another. We're definitely trying to take those into consideration, but we're also right now in a point where we're listening to teachers, we're gathering survey information from them, from our families, and we're also adding a spot for kids to be able to voice what they want and what type of activities they want to be a part of. And so we're definitely still in the planning phase. I, I wouldn't say that we've got it all figured out, but I think what we're doing is important. I think we're really trying to hear what's on everyone's heart and what it is that they want with an understanding that we can't please everyone, but we're going to do our best to do what's right for all students. And it's not easy, but we're trying. 
So were there things learned, for lack of a better word, opportunities gained from how we ended the school year, April, May, in a distance environment that y'all are hoping to turn around? Maybe it's a lesson learned where, oh, we want to make sure we do this, or we should have done this, or I tried this, we tried this, and it didn't work the way we hoped. Do you have stories along that line? Yeah, I think, you know, in education, we're very ambitious, and we want to really do a great job. But I also think what we can do a better job of, considering families who have multiple age groups, really being mindful of that and also being mindful of our teachers who have kids at home. And that's definitely something my principal and I have talked about. We have staff who they, their kids are on our on our campus, but they're also having the role of teaching and teaching their children. And so how are we going to do that more effectively this next school year is, and I know they're never going to say it. They're never going to say it was hard or I felt very overwhelmed because I know they want to do a great job, but we also have to figure out how we can take care of them in that regard. You know, they love what they do and it's evident, but I also think we have to take care of our people. We have to take care of each other and we're trying to figure that out. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense, Layla. And, you know, it, it, it sounds like that you're, you're trying to build that form of community, right? And that how can we make sure that we're taking care of everyone as, as much as we can, right? I mean, like you said, we're not going to be able to, you know, please everybody or to be able to, you know, frame things in a way that will capture everybody's needs. You know, it is challenging, right? And so, one of the questions I'm, I'm kind of wondering as I'm hearing you talk today is, you know, so what in, in your mind, like as, as you are thinking about getting started for the new year, like what are some, I guess, maybe strategies or like tools or things that maybe worked for y'all as you were coming into this virtual learning environment that you really want to kind of make sure to really grasp and like hone and perfect to get your staff back in this learning environment come August. So there was definitely power in the teachers meeting together. And so what we did, we had um, weekly meetings where our pre-K three reading teachers, pre-K three, pre-K four, all the way to fifth grade, we, we met every week and we talked about this is our instructional playbook. These are the things that we're focusing on and this is how it's going to be aligned. And so how are we going to improve one area that we really noticed a need to grow in? It was a checking for understanding. So if you are recording your video and you're teaching, what are you putting in your video to ensure that kids are properly learning? So what you're teaching. So the the catchphrase was, have they caught what you taught? How do you know? And so every week we met and started off a little quiet and then it gained momentum, but they were talking to us about different strategies they were using to check for understanding. And so one week a teacher did an an engaging activity and shared it with the rest. And then the teachers, you know, said, oh, I'm going to try that. And then they did it. And slowly there was this uniform aligned. And so the parents who who had kids in different grade levels noticed, oh, this is something that I'm seeing across the board. This is good. And so we got very positive feedback, but it's also best practices. You, you should check 
for understanding. You you want to make sure that your kids are learning and you don't just assess them at the end, but it's a uh, you're assessing your kids. It's it's part of what you're doing in the classroom anyway. So um, it's definitely different. I mean, but how can you, if you're using whiteboards in the classroom to check for understanding, what engaging activity can you do online? And so what I've been building is kind of a pool of, of resources. And so teachers can you know, if they need a hook for their lesson, something to engage kids so that they can grab their attention or access their prior learning in whatever topic they're teaching, or or if they need exit tickets, that was also a huge thing that we were focusing on exit tickets. It's not just here's my video bye, but what are they writing? Um, What are they turning in, whether it is to you or the parent? And then how are you connecting with the parent to go over the exit? ticket. And that was more with the younger grade levels. The older students were able to make creative videos for their exit tickets or do a one minute sentence where they had to summarize their learning in one sentence, things like that. And so um, we have a, a pool of resources that they can access. So it's, it's we're at the point where we have a kind of like a database of these strategies that they can go to at any time. And we can have that ongoing discussion on, on the strategies that we're doing virtually. So I'm real curious. I'm going to go off script a little bit. I was a middle school director, band director for 23 years or something like that. So middle school is my passion for sure. Was it challenging to go to elementary school? Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, and, and you know, I, I love all kids, I, you know, I, but for me, my personality, I don't think that would be a good blend. It was hard at the beginning because I didn't realize that I was mean, you know, and you don't, you don't mean it, you know, but with the older kids, you can just say, Hey, stop, you know, walk slow, slow down, you know, but with the, with the kindergartner, when you raise your voice, it's a different reaction. And so my first year I learned that tone is a big part of how if you want your message delivered accurately and efficiently your tone is a big part of that and so and even you know when you check the halls in the middle at the middle school level or you check the restrooms there's um, you want the kids in class at all times and so as a teacher I'd check the restroom that make sure the hallways were clear it was just part of what I did especially on my planning period I'd make sure that the kids weren't hanging out in there And so when I, my first week, I just kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say I I was assertive. I just went in the restroom and was like, who's in here? Go back to class, you know? And I just didn't realize that they're pre-K or there's a different way that you have to talk to them. And so, um, and then when we had spirit days, um, there was one day where uh, it was Hawaiian day and they the kids thought I was Moana and I had to tell them that I was not Moana and it was very hard to discipline that day. But, you know, had it been a middle school setting, they would have like, they would have known, okay, it's Hawaiian day. Great. Like nice hula skirt. Cool. You, you look silly, but you've got school spirit. But at the elementary, it was just like I was in Disneyland. And so I had to adjust to a completely different world. They're very sweet. And so it's, you just, and they need help with everything so at lunch uh, they need help opening their ketchup they need help opening the milk they they need help with so much and so there were yeah. days I was like what can you do on your own and please do it because I'm 
tired. But it, you, you just learn how to create a little system while you're on lunch duty and then you're fine. But in the beginning, it was definitely a transition. Yeah, that tone of voice. And that's almost more important than what you say. Yeah. For sure with little ones. Matt, I'm thinking we can go to rapid fire unless you wanted to engage Layla in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, appreciate you, Layla. Those are some great stories. And I, I do remember that voice in middle school, though. I, I know. I remember that. <laughs> Did she scare you too, Matt? Yeah, I think so. I was at the time I was a uh, tech coach and I'm like, oh, there's Miss Alano probably disciplining some kids, <laughs> but in a great way, in a great way. So, yeah. I just <laughs> believe that there's a healthy structure that kids need. And, you know, I never wanted them to just come in and not have a purpose. You know, there was something that we we're doing at all times. And so even when they sat, I wanted them to not just sit up straight because I was the teacher and I wanted them to do what I said, but I wanted them to take pride in their education and what they had to say. So if they were sharing an answer, I wanted them to speak up and sit up and be proud of what they had to say. If they were turning in an assignment, I wanted to see their name spelled out nice and I wanted their work to be high quality. I wa- I didn't I didn't accept uh ripped papers or no name papers or, you know, sloppy papers because I just thought they they could do better and I had high expectations for my students and I still do but I always told them if I let you slack off if I let you get away with these little things these things that you think are minor um, if I don't hold you accountable then I'm doing a disservice to you because one day when you're on your own and you can't say nobody taught me or I didn't know someone told you and I don't want to be that person in your life that did a disservice to you. I I hope that I prepared you as best as I could because that's my job. You know, that's what I want for you is to be successful in all areas. And when you are sloppy in your work, then it sends a message and and I don't want you to be penalized for something like that or perceived less than than who you are. Yeah, that's very well put, Layla. We appreciate that. All right, Mark, we're ready for the showdown now. All right. So, Layla, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Just respond with the first thing that comes in your mind. It's not meant to be stressful. She's taking it. I mean, you can't see it on the podcast, everyone, but she's she took a deep, slow, mindful breath. So, Layla, when we know it's 100% safe to go back out, there's no question about it. It's the first thing you want to do. Take my mom to a nice dinner. That's sweet. Does she live here in Austin? She lives in Houston, okay. but she loves Austin. And she she's a great cook, but she likes going out to eat by the water, by the lake. And so... Nice. Yeah. Matt, there's a theme for this. We ask the, these questions on a lot of our podcasts, right, Matt? And yep. usually has to do with food in Austin. <laughs> I love I it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> when that, and that's going to lead, of course, to the next question. Your favorite Austin restaurant. Okay, definitely barbecue, but <laughs> I, I have to make a decision, right? Well, you could say, if, I mean, there's there's a lot of good barbecue. If you want to name a couple, it's okay. Well, Salt Lake's pretty good. Franklin, yeah. are those good? Are those answers? Okay? That, that's fine. So you've waited in line for Franklin's um, or pickup or something? Yeah. Okay. The pickup for that. And yeah, Salt Lake's fun. Just the ambiance and the vibe down there is cool. All right. Final question. And I'm going to turn it over to Matt. He's going to wrap this up a little bit. Final question. Favorite place to get a taco in Austin? Okay. I don't know the name, but I know where it is. (laughs) 
It's okay. It's um, it's on Riverside. You oh, and I'm not great with directions, but you'll you can't miss it. You just drive down. There's always a long line, and it's a little trailer, and it is delicious. I mean, so driving down Riverside, he- heading east, east of 35, or yes, okay. Riverside East of 35. It's um, it's not very far from when you first turn, and it's on your right side. Right side. Okay. Very delicious, and you'll always see a line any time of the day, and cars are parked, and it's great. Well, wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much, Layla, for joining us today. We really do uh, thank you for spending your time with us. As Mark said earlier, you know, you're taking your time to hang out with us over the summer. And so we do appreciate that. So we also like to close our podcast uh, episodes with having our guests just share some inspirational words. And so, you know, as we come up on the new school year, if you can kind of just share with our audience, you know, what would be some something that y- you would say to either, you know, a a new teacher or, you know, someone that is a little bit anxious about coming into this virtual learning environment? So Dr. Green is someone who is very inspirational and his teachings have been a big part of my life. And so I would share what he's taught in terms of providing an inspirational answer. Um, View people through an asset-based lens. Don't focus on the deficits. Don't focus on what people aren't and what we need to fix about people. You're not going to get very far if you're trying to fix people and not the actual system that the people are a part of. But there's so much power and progress in viewing what people can offer and the good that they bring and the talents that they have. Because when you focus on what you perceive to be shortcomings, you just kind of get stuck there. And when you focus on what things aren't, how angry you are, or how frustrating something is, or what something should be, and those are all totally normal human feelings. And it's part of the human experience. I completely understand that. But we can't sit in those spaces for a long time. And we can't have those frustrating moments become permanent spaces that we live our lives from. Um, We have to push past that and view our situations and view the people that we live near, that we work with, our families through an asset-based lens. And I can't say that, I can't give you a tangible, like, here are the top 10 reasons why, but from experience, I can say that it brings people closer together and there is power in numbers when you guys are focusing on what each person brings to the table versus what they're lacking. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please be sure to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, and SoundCloud. These podcasts are produced by the Professional Learning Department of the Austin Independent School District. Follow us on Twitter at AustinISDPL. Until next time, stay safe, my friends.